0: Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships.
1: Welcome to After Putin, a new podcast series from Intelligence Squared. Until Friday, June the 23rd, the question of what comes after Putin had been largely academic. It felt distant, hypothetical but by the following evening, it had become one of the most urgent and important questions in the world today. In this series, we speak to experts and look for some answers. I'm Connor Boyle. Part one is available freely here. And if you'd like to hear part two, become a member of Intelligence Squared by hitting subscribe in the Apple Podcasts app or heading over to intelligencesquared.com slash membership to support our work. If you're a member, you'll also get access to more episodes of this series over the coming days, which will be only available to subscribers. But now let's go to episode one, the coup that wasn't. We are following breaking news out of Russia where Yevgeny Prigozhin, the leader of the Wagner mercenary group, says that his forces have left Ukraine and are headed into Russia.
0: Some breaking news on the developments in Russia. We're getting quite a few uh, news lines uh, coming into us here, Um, amongst them the Kremlin saying that avoiding bloodshed was more important than punishing people, and uh, the Kremlin saying that it does not know where Prigozhin
1: is now. Connor and welcome to Intelligence Squared. Our guests today are Anne Applebaum, staff writer at The Atlantic and Pulitzer Prize winning historian. Her books include Gulag, A History, Red Famine, Stalin's War on Ukraine and most recently Twilight of Democracy, The Failure of Politics and the Parting of Friends. We're also joined by Owen Matthews, writer and historian. He's The Spectator's Russia correspondent and author of books including the award-winning Stalin's Children and most recently, Overreach, the inside story of Putin's war against Ukraine. Now, Anne, if I could start with you first. Some have described what we saw in Russia over the weekend as an attempted coup, a mutiny, even a civil war. How would you describe it?
2: It was a mutiny. Um, It was the Prigozhin, the Yevgeny Prigozhin, the leader of the Wagner mercenaries, um, was angry that the Russian state wanted to dissolve his group. He dislikes the Incompetence and poor um, performance of the of the Russian military, and he was making his point. Um, it was actually the Russian president who though who evoked the idea that it could be something more than that—that that it was a civil war. Um, and this, I think, may reflect his own paranoia about divisions in the society, about uh, you know the kind of battles beginning among the elites, about who will eventually uh, replace him. Um, and he was the one who said this reminds us of 1917. He's the one who 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 evoked that specter. Um, so, so I think you know mutiny is is correct from Prigozhin's point of view, but civil war is what I think people are afraid of.
1: And Owen, what's the mood like in Moscow? Is there feelings that this was just a mutiny? It's it's going to be swept under the rug, or is this something bigger?
3: Well, the really striking thing—I've—I've uh, uh, I've been exchanging dozen, dozens of messages with my friends in Moscow. Um, uh, they're all um, completely gobsmacked um, in various colourful Russian words for that, but they—they—they they, they are extraordinarily surprised, horrified, shocked. The—the—the—the. Um, the, 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 upshot of of all of this was um, no one really understood what this is all about no one was expecting this and uh, my dominant impression of Moscow I've been there three times since the beginning of the war um, uh, was that you know Moscow just preferred to ignore that the war was happening at all and you really could do that in Moscow there was really you know uh, apart from you know military recruitment posters and um, you know uh, um, you know maybe a few more men in uniform on the street i mean in general you know moscow has not really noticed that they are th- that it's the capital of a country that's fighting the biggest war of the 21st century but this weekend for the first time i think it came home to a lot of muscovites that uh, things were really not out of con- not in control at all and um you know clearly this has been an enormous blow to putin's major brand which is right from 1999, when he first became prime minister, which is of, you know, tough guy, protector of Russia's security. And I think it came as, a, the, you know, the essence of that shock that I mentioned and that sort of complete bewilderment was, you know, it didn't cross anyone's minds that Putin could not be in control, but now it very much is on their minds. Um, do you think Putin's lost control?
2: No, actually, I don't think he's lost control, and I don't want to be premature in... Predicting that anything will happen to him, um, one of the effects of this um, event might well be that he stages a crackdown. And he, you know, there's a rumor this morning I saw on, on, you know, running around Russia that he would start a mass mobilization. Maybe he would do repression. Maybe he would do crackdown on the internet. Um, so one, one response could be could be that he tries to tighten his regime rather than you know, rather than, rather than loosening it. I mean, it does indicate that there, are, um, there is a kind of apathy in the Russian public and possibly in the Russian military and maybe other branches of the security service. You know, when, the, when, when Prigozhin came to occupy Rostov and he walked into the headquarters of the Southern military district, nobody seems to have tried to block him. Um, you know, his men were received as heroes on the street and they were, you know, people were giving them food and they took selfies with them. And when they left, people cheered them. Um, So this, you know, it didn't look like, you know, people were rushing out to defend the motherland or to defend Putin's regime, however you want to look at that, from this, you know, whatever it was, this mutineer. Um, and And so it does indicate that there's, you know, the support for him is very weak. It's kind of you know apathetic and passive rather than um, enthusiastic. Uh, and and certainly he should be worried about that because as I say, the the main problem for him wouldn't just be that it's weak among, in the general public, but that it's weak uh, in the in the Russian elite as well.
1: Uh, and Owen, on that point, we saw people chanting in the streets of of Rostov, Wagner, Wagner. Did this not show also Putin's weakness, but maybe Prigogine's popularity? is that is
3: that right? Uh, That's true. And uh, just to be clear, I strongly agree with Anne, I don't think that Putin is about to fall. Um, uh, When I mentioned losing control, I certainly I, I meant, you know, just for the period of the mutiny, you know, when there are tanks rolling up the M4 highway, you know, when there are oil refineries burning in Voronezh, and when helicopter gunships are being shut down by their own side. I mean, that's a temporary loss of control he regained it um as a, a is amazingly dangerous not just because of the events of rostov which were unprecedented it was absolutely extraordinary I'm, i've never in 23 years seen anything of that nature of, of you know a armed rebel general rolls into town and is hailed as a hero by a population which has shown no enthusiasm whatsoever for protesting against uh, against Putin, you know, for 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 the, the the whole period, they've been happy to accept that, and um, the whole 20 years of his power, they've, they've, South Russia has been really remarkably loyal to him. And suddenly, out of the blue, you see people, you know, cheering this uh, this 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 rebel, this uh, foul-mouthed, straight-talking um, demagogue, and it's really you know the the. What could come after Prigozhin? Someone who could actually occupy that role that Prigozhin seems to have, that um, the, the, the Prigozhin um, occupied so successfully. That's the real threat to Putin, because um, the thing that the Russian elite and the Kremlin fears most of all is is the street, its popular uprising. Um, Clearly, we're, I think we we're, we're, um, We should emphasize that we're actually a very long way from a revolutionary situation, and there's been lots of excitable commentary. But uh, in 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 Russia, revolutionary situation, both as we know from history and as I know from my own experience, because I was in Leningrad, by coincidence, just on the eve of the 1991 coup, you need to have a profound economic crisis. You need to have a thoroughly um, discredited um a, a discredited state and you need to have a credible challenger a credible challenger and so far those uh, conditions do not pertain but nonetheless the fact that rostov turned out and many people in rostov let's say at least turned out and hailed prigozhin is you know really terrible news for Putin, because not only has he lost the monopoly of violence, insofar as he has, know groups that are not really under his control, who are rebelling against him, but he also seems to have lost his monopoly on uh, on, on that image of ultimate uh, of Russia's ultimate savior and protector.
1: And w- w- what did you make of th- the deal that uh, uh, supposedly ended this? Prigogine, he's got the popularity. Putin's on the run. Why do you think he didn't march to Moscow?
2: So first of all, the, the deal that ended it seems to me totally implausible. I have no idea what really ended it. I mean, the, Lukashenko being involved, the dictator of Belarus, um, you know, Prigozhin being given amnesty, we have no idea if any of that is even true. And some people today are saying that it's not, so um, in the Russian press. So it's, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take for granted that any of that is real. Um, I mean, Prigozhin himself said something in the last couple of hours um, before we recorded this, um, in which he he indicated, well, you know, he he just wanted to make a demonstration. He was worried that Wagner was going to be dissolved, and you know, he just wanted to show people how weak the Russian system is. And you know, then when it came to real bloodshed, he went home. I mean, there are other stories that his family or the family of other Wagner fighters were threatened. That um you know maybe he was paid off maybe he was expecting some kind of contract but um you know i don't i don't think we know the full story yet and it might you know might be a while before we do
1: and if i just stick with you for a second what do you think the mood is in ukraine
2: um interestingly i i i had an exchange with a very senior ukrainian official yesterday who really didn't want to talk about it um just because you know, it's Russia's internal conflict, they don't really know what's gonna happen. Of course, for them, conflict is good. You know, they were probably hoping for a bit more of it because, you know, if there was a real conflict inside the Russian, you know, military and security establishment, then they would have to bring troops home from Ukraine to fight it. And that would, of course, end the war. And so, you know, there were a lot of, there was a moment of people having hopes that it was that, um, that that was what was happening. Um, Now that we're back to business as usual, I mean, there's been a blow to Russia's prestige. There's a perception of Putin's weakness. It isn't yet clear to me that that has translated into anything real on the battlefield. But, um, you know, we might see something different in the next few days.
1: Oh, and would you agree with that? Do you think there's any chance Putin tries some sort of escalation tactics with the war in order to reassert his dominance and power?
3: Uh, I think it's, um, um, I've, uh, it seems that he's escalated as much as he possibly can. I mean, if he could escalate more, he would do so. I think he's fighting... At the limits of uh, the politically possible. Uh, why politically possible? Because one of the th- strange things about this whole um, Prigozhin mutiny is, of course, if you actually look at the numbers of how many men and women, mostly men, uh, Putin has under arms, if you count the police, the security services, the FSB, uh, the Omon paramilitary police, and so on, actually there's about four and a half million people under arms you know in in various uh, ministries at putin's disposal uh, the vast majority the majority of those forces are not Fighting on the front lines in Ukraine, they are supposedly, uh, you know, keeping busy maintaining P- Putin's security state, and we saw that, you know, just how ineffective the, those those security forces uh, were um, in 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 Voronezh and in Rostov. So, I mean, obviously, Putin could escalate, as uh, as Anne um, as Anne mentioned, there have actually been uh, rumours, they're very frequent rumours, by the way, that he will mobilize, uh, that he will announce a mobilization. Um, the the Putin's problem is the political backlash I was actually in Moscow when he announced his mobilization on September 21st I mean it caused a wave of panic it caused a wave of mass migration Uh, a second mobilization uh, it's uh, politically uh, difficult, and also uh, if you talk to military experts, including by the way, Prigozhin himself um, uh, has actually said, you know, we don't. The, the mobilisation is actually not really going to help us you know, win this war immediately because you need to train tro- those troops, and actually you need, uh, you know, uh, you know. There's no need for more cannon fodder. What we need is, you know, a, a complete overhaul of Russian society and make a sort of larger professional army and so on. I mean, Prigozhin's view is that Russia needs to become a kind of new sort of fascist-style Sparta in order to win the war. Um, and you know, clearly Putin has shied away from doing that, from 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 um, uh, from escalating from. Um, uh, mobilizing at home, because I don't think he's confident that his, uh, that his popularity will survive it.
1: And realistically, quickly, just oh, and do you think there's any threat to, to Putin from any other figures um, pushing him to stand down or any threat to his power in the, in the immediate future?
3: Well, I would say, sadly, that the, the, contrary to many people um, who are very sanguine about the, Putin's immediate removal from, from, from power, is that actually I think um, if uh, and I've had a, a few text uh, exchanges with, with with people who uh, are in quite senior positions in you know, the Putin's media machine and you know former officials, um, actually, if you think about it, uh, what. Prigozhin did was remind everyone in the Russian elite that there are forces outside the Kremlin's control that are violent, ultra-nationalist, and actually waiting to take advantage of chaos. So actually, strangely enough, uh, I think that those those, uh, facts actually would give pause to members of the elite who want to challenge Putin's power. They realize that actually, you know, this is a really very Fragile situation. Russian security is very brittle. And actually, you know, and furthermore, I, um, who would want to take over from Putin now? Because whoever take does take over from Putin or succeed, eventually succeeds Putin will have to deal with the fallout of this catastrophic war that he's launched. So that's not an attractive proposition. While, you know, I, I think uh, we have a different situation because uh, when we, in March of 17th of next year we have presidential elections and I think there's going to be some uh, considerable debate about whether Putin is going to stand again but I think that's probably the the moment when uh, the succession is going to be most uh, realistically challenged.
1: And Washington and Beijing will have been watching closely what happened over the last few days. What do you think the mood will be in in Washington? Is there any possibility that Russia tries to divert this by potentially blaming western interference on the mutiny.
2: Actually one of the most interesting things about Putin's comments on TV on Saturday morning was that he didn't do that. You know, he talked about this challenge coming from within Russia and again he evoked the civil war of 19, you know that followed 1917. Um so he doesn't 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 seem it and I, you know it may be because Prigozhin is not Really, a plausible Western puppet. I mean, a, he doesn't—he doesn't sound like a Western person, and he isn't very Western. And so, um, may, maybe that was that was beyond, or maybe Putin felt it was important to really warn people inside the country about um, the, the you know the danger of of division. Um, mood in Washington is we're not saying anything, we're not commenting, we don't want to affect the situation, we don't want any involvement at all. I, I saw. Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, speaking on on a television program on Sunday morning. And I mean, really, you know, he was very boring. I mean, he said things like, we're consulting our allies, you know, and we're waiting to see what happens. I mean, it wasn't very informative. And I don't think they're going to become more informative. It's, there's really no role America plays in this kind of conflict. They're just waiting it out. I mean, I'm sure they, like the Ukrainians, um, hoped for um, something that would that would speed the end of the war but that 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 didn't materialize. I mean as for the Chinese you know the Chinese um, the Chinese worry about any prominent dictator who's in trouble because you know they see always the analogy to themselves the Russians see the world the same way. Um, and so you know their concern would be they don't want Putin to fall in some kind of chaotic way because then maybe that would give somebody an idea in China. Um, so my guess is they're not they're not they're not too happy but I don't see that they really have a role in this either.
1: Owen, oh, to finish, what appeared to be something potentially huge on Saturday has come to be relatively anticlimactic in terms of there was no march on Moscow. Do you think we're coming to the end of, of this episode or, or do you think there's more twists in the tale?
3: Well, the only the, I mean the final twist and tale is is what is what on earth they do with Wagner I mean there have been rumors online that um, Wagner is going to be moved to Belarus uh, I can't imagine what possible upside there could be um, to for Alexander Lukashenko to have 25,000 mutinous heavily armed uh, criminals um, inside his borders I mean what could possibly go wrong um, the, um, the, the there seems to be no Plausible way they can return to the front line. I mean, it's it's conceivable, but that would be you know, a, a terribly dangerous thing for Putin to do. So, the, so the the question is, you know, where where is where is Wagner? Uh, what's Wagner going to do? What's Prigozhin going to do be, uh, beyond this? But um, I think, in general, yes, indeed. I mean, the mutiny is over. He survived in many ways. He actually had had to rebel or die because Wagner was being disbanded um, by Prigozhin's own account, at least um, his positions were coming under rocket fire from the Russian army. He realized that the Russian army and the Kremlin wanted him dead. So in that case, and so in that sense, he was actually forced to rebel in order to guarantee his own, his own survival. He got that. Uh, he was not rebelling against Putin, by the way. He didn't, this is not a revolt against Putin. He didn't actually speak out directly against Putin. He didn't directly challenge Putin. Uh, he made lots of complaints about the Kremlin and, uh, and, and the Ministry of Defense, but he didn't actually personally attack Putin. Um, so uh, I think it is over for the time being but um, the question is who's uh, you know who's who's going to be next and who's going to be the next prigozhin.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of After Putin, a new series from Intelligence Squared. Part 2 is available now to Intelligence Squared members. To become a member just hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or visit intelligencesquared.com/membership to support our work. This episode was produced and edited by myself, Connor Boyle. We'd love to hear your feedback and what you think we should be talking about next, who we should have on and what our future episodes should be. Send us an email or a voice note with your thoughts to podcasts at intelligencesquared.com or tweet us at intelligence2.
0: What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket.